Big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's recap episode, we revisit guests from Season 2, including Faraba Zamanian, VP of Advanced Media and Advertising at TiVo, Melissa Matlins, VP of Marketing B2B at Vimeo, and Andrea Joe Deward, Senior Director of Marketing at Mariner Lifestyle at HarperCollins Publishers. Give it a listen. I've been with the collective organization for 12 years now. Um, Kind of hard to believe when you think about it. It's like, whoa, 12 years. But um, it's it's a brand that so many of us know, uh, especially, you know, when you think about TV and its evolution over the years, especially right now, which is such an incredible time. It's so exciting. And um, TiVo is you know, you kind of get the warm and fuzzies when you hear the name TiVo, especially for those of us who've been around. It's an iconic brand. Uh, It's synonymous with entertainment, you know, enjoyment, which is what we all love, right? We, We are so consumed with content. And thankfully, the marketplace is giving us this incredible content that we're just eating it alive, right? We can't get enough of it. Um, And TiVo has been a brand that's been there and on the forefront of technology that's been bringing this entertainment experience onto your television screen, whether it's the main one in your living room or in your bedroom or in the playroom. Um, And what I think is the biggest misconception of TiVo is that although it is our most beloved product, which gives us this you know, synergy with the name and that, and that love is the DVR, you know, that's our claim to fame. You know, we brought it to market over 20 years ago and um, I'm incredibly proud of that development because if you think about what we do today, behaviorally, we want to watch programming when we want to watch it. Right. Well, we want to go into now with streaming and all the great content that's available for paid services and free services. We want to watch it when we want to watch it. And that's really what the DVR set out to do over 20 years ago with this new technology that was enabling you to record your shows and watch them when you want to watch them, right, on a delayed basis. And fast forward 20 some odd years, here we are in that same context, which is what TiVo's really been in that uh, that space of enabling and building technology that enables consumers to find, watch, when they want to watch that favorite programming. Um, regardless of your demographic, you know, uh, older consumers and households with kids, it's that experience, which is really the basis of our company is what it's been all these years. And it's been about technology. And that technology has really evolved well beyond the DVR, even through to today. Um, It's just that you may not see us on the screen Um, white labeled was what we kind of reference, 
but our technology is on the back end. So we have metadata that fuels what goes into a program guide. So if you're surfing through a guide looking for programming that you want to watch, all of those tiles that are in that guide is populated by data, which is fueled by TiVo. And fast forward again into today's world where you're looking for and searching for shows that you want to watch on your media player or even on your pay TV service, that search and recommendation technology is also powered by TiVo. So that is enabled for pay TV services like your cable company, as well as streaming devices. And um, we've gotten even more advanced. We've had several um, acquisitions as many companies have evolved over the last decade or so. We too have undergone lots of change. Um, and we're really focused on now bringing that entertainment experience through products that are um, similar in innovation to what many households have. We introduced a media player last year called the Stream 4K. So think of it similar to uh, a Fire Stick or uh, a Roku device, dongle device. Um, that was our entree last year. So bringing your favorite shows into one screen when you're searching for something to watch, which I know we'll talk about a little bit is one of the frustrations that comes with all this incredible content is how do you find that uh, in an easy format? So TiVo is um, right now in the process of helping consumers uh, pass through that pain point. And we've got some more exciting things to come. Um, we introduced our TiVo Plus, which is enables consumers who subscribe to TiVo to be able to aggregate all that free content so without paying for a service, we reference it in the industry as Avon, which is advertising supported video on demand. So we have a, a tech pro software that basically brings that into one screen, enabling you to find what you wanna watch without having to pay for it. So lots of great things um, and uh, well beyond our heritage as the DVR company. Yeah, I mean, we're focused on a few kind of core audiences at, at Vimeo when we sell to businesses. So um, marketers, communications professionals that sit inside of companies that connect with employees and uh, what we call kind of a video monetizer or people that have a niche that they know super well and they want to build a streaming channel to, to match and monetize their expertise. Um, so we find that our best marketing tool is our product. This is the, the fundamental sort of blessing of a freemium product, right? There's so much that you can do on Vimeo today that is entirely free for businesses to try. And we have 260 million users that are putting our tools, our video tools to work. So there's a ton that we can learn from how people are using their product and in what applications and what, you know, what sort of the next generation or the more advanced version of things that we can help them do. Um, so a lot of our marketing is focused on getting people and their teams to experience this power of video in their own business, even if it's something as fundamental as uh, I'm going to create a video and I'm going to use that on a social channel to advertise my business or I'm going to embed that on a website. Um, so seeing how they're including video in their campaigns and in events in ways that they like probably previously needed professionals to do is like the most rewarding part, I think, of, of, of what we try to do as marketers um, is getting them to that initial experience of value. Um, and then I think when we put together campaigns for these audiences, we always say like, 
do we have an opportunity to show, not just tell people what video can do? So this is why we use our own products every day to manage video, to share video, to make video. And it's also why we have a ton of events on our uh, Vimeo platform as well, every, every, every month, every week. Um, so we can showcase how we're doing it. I bet it looks pretty similar just channel wise. Um, you know, a lot of our, our, our marketing really starts with who the reader is and how do we reach them? Um, over the last five years, it's been about um, reaching our reader wherever they are. So are they on social? Are they reading newsletters? Um, are they, you know, scrolling the newyorktimes.com or cnn.com and how do I reach them? So we, we put a lot of our effort into, you know, digital um, audience targeting and segmentation, um, a lot of second and third party data to, to get to that um, and layering on our own first party data where possible. We have the added challenge of we don't typically sell direct, we sell through Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So our first party data is typically, you know, newsletter subscription or something. But um, so we we're looking at, you know, the same digital ad targeting that most of our our other big brands are, are looking at. Um, we're looking at social media in the same way. We, we are building our brand voices. Like I said, though, most consumers don't really care about us, the publishers, the brand, they care about the authors, the brand. So a lot of our brand building is really about building up the Mary Higgins Clarks or the Greg Isles or, you know, building up the authors, the brand, not the publishers, the brand. Where things really get different, though, is budgeting. You know, my my larger division at um, Harvest is part of the William Morrow group at HarperCollins. We're part of this larger group um, that publishes 620 books in a year and you know each of those 620 books um our budget gets so segmented um and each of those books needs needs a launch plan and um so the individual books might have a five thousand dollar budget ten thousand dollar budget um the the budgets themselves get so segmented um we have to get really creative with scale um so a lot of my work over the last couple of years has been to get my team to think about how can we how can we group audiences together how can we group like with like to build a mystery and suspense and thriller audience or a culinary and lifestyle audience. And within that, we have celebrity um, cookbooks. We have um, New York chef cookbooks. We have um, books about mental health. So how can we how can we build reusable audiences and target within those groups so that we can re-lump those budgets back together and have 50K for an ad campaign instead of, you know, breaking it down into 5K for each each book. Um, that's really really the challenge of our, our industry. And I think a lot of publishers are still, still taking it, you know, 5K at a time, um, not to get too deep into numbers, but um, that that's where we get stuck is if you're looking at books as individual projects, instead of looking at the broader programmatic approach, um, that's I think where a lot of publishers are, are gonna um, just kind of fall behind. Um, so we, we've had a lot of a lot of success when we really think programmatically. We look at a season at a time and think where can we where can we group things together? Where can we pair like with like? Um, and it, it pairs up with what we're finding out about audiences. Um, readers read very broadly. Um, they read by by feeling. They read by topic. Um, they they're not just reading you know fiction or nonfiction. Even um, they might read books that um, help you learn something, whether that's fiction or nonfiction. They might read books that. Um, uh, let's see, books that help you go into the, the new year, um, coming up with really bad taglines here. We're gonna edit this, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of our most successful September campaigns was, a, was called Fall Fresh Start. So we grouped together fiction and nonfiction books um, that help people start the school year um, with, a, with a new outlook on, on you know, sending your kids back to school so that 
um, we grouped eight or 10 books together um, for a search and social and display campaign. Um, and that worked really well because the people might've been looking for a different kind of book in that way, but they were served the exact right book at the right moment. So, so the actual channels, you know, looks pretty, pretty typical. It's, you know, DSP newsletter, a lot of sponsored search. We do a lot of Google sponsored search. Um, the great thing about sponsored search that's been really successful for our nonfiction is we have the entire PDF interior of a book to index for keywords. We have, you know, table of contents and appendix, um, uh, our cookbooks do really well with sponsored search because we have all those all those recipe keywords to crawl. So um, that's been a, a huge tactic for us. Um, same on, on the social media side, Pinterest does really well because we have all of those interior photos for our cookbooks to use. So, uh, but otherwise, you know, it probably does look really, really similar. We don't do a ton of TV because we don't have a lot of video assets. Um, we're, um, we're trying to change that. We're trying to explore some connected TV as we have more authors exploring um, short form social media. We have Instagram and TikTok videos. We're exploring a lot a lot more of a TikTok. I think we were one of the first, um, you know, 14% of advertisers that were, um, that were, you know, doing paid TikTok this year. And um, I love experimenting. I love being first and trying and seeing what works. Um, but we had to have authors creating those videos and we were reusing their content. We were not creating the content ourselves in that case. You made a good point about the audience size because we're on the, uh, other end of things where uh, clients want to use our segmentation to create the uh, smallest possible audiences. And sometimes, you know, this, uh, yes, we could target a thousand people, but it's not the most effective way to spend the media dollars. So uh, great point there. Um, so what's been a campaign that you have particularly enjoyed working on? Oh, that's so hard because I, um, I was, I've been really lucky to work on a lot of um, big, big books and books that I've really loved. I've worked with a lot of authors that I've genuinely, you know, loved as a reader. Um, I was really honored to work on the book Educated by Tara Westover. Um, if you haven't read it yet, I'd say, you know, put it top of your list. It's a really stunning memoir. Um, and it's a really important book that I think um, just reminds us of um, some of the challenges of, of this country and, and um, poverty in this country and mental health. Um, I, I felt so lucky to work on the book because the, the writing was amazing. And, you know, the book and Tara, her, her words, the author's words in that book are, are really the star of the campaign. Um, so what, what we did with it was um, use the author's words um, in the campaign itself. We, we did a lot of content in ads or video ads, um, author videos that where um, we would overlay sentences from the video, uh, sentences from the book over the bottom of the video um, to draw people in, just using the book itself, using the book itself, drumming that first sentence, that first chapter of the book into people's minds. Um, but then from there, I really can't take credit for much of the rest of the campaign because the book itself is incredible. People like Barack Obama fell in love with that book. And my advertising from there on out looked like literally everyone is talking about this book. Why haven't you bought it yet? Like that was my second wave banner ad campaign. It was amazing. Um, and then it became 2 million copies sold. Why haven't you bought this book yet? Um, so I'm, I'm very honored to have, you know, been so lucky to work on books like that. Um, you know, another one I, I love to talk about is um, also when I worked at Random House, I was very lucky to work on Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, which is also an amazing book and one of my favorites if you haven't read it. Again, those are probably like the two books I recommend to people very often if you if you haven't read them. I will recommend those books to anybody, um, no matter what you like to read. But we had the, the big marketing meeting. I'm presenting the plans. We were at the Daily Show offices um, over in, in Hell's Kitchen. Um, so we're around this big table. 
and I'm explaining um, retargeting ads to a room of like 12 people and they're all like writers and it's like the Daily Show people and it's Trevor and his agents and there's like four agents in the room and I'm like the one marketing person in the room <laughs> talking through my four page marketing plan and I'm like, no one cares about what I'm talking about. And I was talking about like the retargeting campaign after someone engages with, with um, the book page, we'll you know, continue to serve them ads and you know, I'm like, you know, when you shop for shoes from Colhan and then they, those ads follow you around the internet and Trevor Noah gets very quiet and he got very serious and he was, I was like, oh no, he hates it. He hates my, he hates me. He hates my marketing. And he goes, okay, let me get this straight. So first the ads are going to follow me home and then they're going to come upstairs and they're going to get in my bed and they're going to say, buy this book. <laughs> I'm like, that's, <laughs> That's exactly right. That's how retargeting ads work. Thank you for listening. Um, highlight of my career is making sure Trevor Noah understands how retargeting ads work. Um, and, you know, again, that book was a huge bestseller, but it was also because of the book itself. Um, that book is really, really good. If it was just another celebrity memoir, people would read it and not talk about it. They wouldn't tell a friend, you need to read this. They would read it and put it down and, you know, not tell anyone. They'd say, eh. Trevor Noah wrote, wrote a book, but this book is so good. It's the book that makes you understand apartheid in South Africa. It is a book that makes you think about yourself and your identity and your childhood. And you read it with such high stakes that you're like, how, how does he get out of this situation? Um, so like, you know, I can't take credit for that. I can take credit for the retargeting ads. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.